Welcome back to another edition of the Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. It's me, Len Testa, and this is our show for the week of Schmerz Day, January 15th, 2024. Happy Martin Luther King Day, everyone. On the show today, news, including new Disney dining plan tips and tricks, plus listener questions. Then in our main segment, Jim and special guest Jim Schull tell us how Disneyland's Space Mountain got its themed overlays. Let's get started by bringing in the man who says that he doesn't know how to act his age because this is the first time he's been this old. It's Mr. Jim Hill. Jim, how's it going? I, I'm 64. Oh, excuse me. 65 in March, uh, Len. I, I, to be honest, I, I, I do not know what to do when I turn this age in eight weeks. I mean, you know, I, I can't claim my Social Security benefits till I'm 66. That That's full retirement age, according to Social Security Administration. I could drive a car when I was 16. I could vote yeah. when I was 18. I could drink when I was 21. I'm not sure what I can do at 65. Is this when you're officially allowed to stand on the lawn and yell at kids? You know, it's just sort of, you know, gaff my lawn. I think so. Yeah, I think think this is uh, when you're legally um, allowed to not have a filter on the things that you think before you speak them. Oh, this podcast is about to get very interesting. (laughs) Uh, You know, uh, by the way, according to actuarial tables, I will live at least another 17 years. I've lost my dad at 89. My mom is still kicking at 92. She'll be 93 next month. So, um, so again, it's just one of these moments in life where breakfast rolls around. You have to decide, do I want the seal coat oats and the fruit cup or, or one of those Wonka meals at IHOP? Um, have you, <laughs> have you seen these things? The perfect, no. perfect, perfectly purple pancakes it's four buttermilk pancakes uh layered with cream cheese mousse and then covered with purple cream cheese icing and glitter sugar it's like what what every responsible diabetic is consuming in 2024 yeah i mean setting setting aside the sugar my question is is at your age should you be ingesting things that are that have colors that don't occur in nature you know, <laughs> like is that is that good diet advice? I think I think not. All right, I'm I'm going to tell one story that I I'm gonna you know just quickly in advance you know to, to my trigger folks. Uh, I was due to have a colonoscopy, and they explained that you know that that they give you that jug of things you need to drink, but they mm, also mentioned yeah. that you should you know because you're going to be consuming it, you should put. Some, you know, a powdered drink mix in it to make it that more palatable. Oh, I didn't I, hear this when I did mine. Okay, go ahead. Okay, I did not read the instructions, Len. All right, and I basically put in five times the amount of, you know, the the colored liquid into the the mixture. Um, so it was a lemonade. So I I go to get my. Uh, you know, I have my colonoscopy, and it's the, the moment afterwards, and the doctor is briefing me, and he said, other than a bright yellow color, you know, that's, <laughs> yeah. you know just say, you look fine. Other than I, your insides <laughs> glowing like the know, surface just, of the sun, there we go. And you look I, fine. You know, just <laughs> wouldn't happen to be re- related to Homer Simpson. And it's like, no, no, I'm not. But, you know, so again, read the instructions before you call an Oscar. That's all I'm saying, folks. So, All right. No. All right. Good, uh, good medical tip of the day. All right. We're going to introduce a special guest for today's show. It's theme park consultant Jim Schull, who was previously executive creative director of Walt Disney Imagineering, responsible for bringing to life things like Toy Story Land and other attractions you love. Welcome, Jim. Thank you for having me again. And, uh, you know, I just couldn't help but think, uh, as a 
Oh, as something to look forward to, Mr. Hill, there is a point mm-hmm. in your life where you get so mm-hmm. old that they say, you don't have to come in for a colostomy. You can keep that uh, jug of lemonade on the shelf. Yeah. You don't have to consume it. Yeah. So something to look forward to. Well, okay. Wow. There we go. <laughs> All right, guys, before we get started, let's do a quick shout out to subscribers over on our Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash Media. So thanks to everyone who subscribes, including Gray Hauser, Mike Bennett, James Beauchamp, Lynn Rasmussen, Kai and Ella Layton, Amy Miller, Dr. Chris Smith, and Nathan Seitz. Jim and Jim, these are the cast members in charge of Disney Plus's new streaming educational videos. Their initial ideas, including Mr. Toad's Driving School, and to learn blackjack card counting with Dory have not yet drawn the numbers Disney's looking for, but they have high hopes for their newest course, Mindfulness and Meditation with Donald Duck, coming out later this month. Oh, True story. <laughs> It'll be okay. fine. It'll be fine. Oh, the I'm sure it'll be fine. Okay. All right, on to the news. Folks, the news is sponsored by Touring Plans. Touring Plans helps you save time and money at theme parks like Walt Disney World. Check us out at touringplans.com. All right. Jim, last week we mentioned that the Disney Dining Plan relaunched this week. Our own Christina Harrison was there on day one to find you guys the best tips, tricks, and bargains on the Dining Plan. There are a couple of highlights. I'll go through them here. Apparently, any size Starbucks drink counts as a snack, and that includes the monstrous 24-ounce iced peppermint white chocolate mocha that the kids ordered with oat milk, Mm -hmm. four shots of espresso, seven pumps of white chocolate mocha sauce, seven pumps of peppermint syrup, and peppermint chocolate cream cold foam. It was a $20 drink that mm-hmm. was a snack credit on the dining plan. So again, setting aside the fact that you not probably don't want to eat that, but mm-hmm. yeah, not bad. Also, uh, over at the Plaza Ice Cream Parlor, all of the Sundays under $10 count as a snack credit, and toppings, which normally cost $0.69 cents each, are free. On the dining plan. So Chrissy had a uh, posted a photo of a uh, Sunday with a dozen toppings, which would normally be in the $15 range. And it was a snack credit on the dining plan. How does she discover these things? What secret society is sharing this information? <laughs> well, they, she spent uh, the previous week going mm-hmm. through um, the what would be on the dining plan and then mm-hmm. looking at how the dining plan was going to differentiate between things called add-ons, which are mm-hmm. free, right? So like, you know, sprinkles mm-hmm. or add-ons and upcharges. So if you want to add like shrimp mm-hmm. to a burger, that's an upcharge. But apparently there's a distinction between, you know, sprinkles that you add to an ice cream sundae or something. So yeah, Chrissy did all of the research to figure out which was going to be in which category. God, I love that woman. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Also, mm-hmm. for those of you considering the dining plan, it looks like Disney has set the value of one table service credit at $55. Hmm. And we got that number by looking at the price points for character meals and seeing how many dining credits those meals correspond to. And there seems to be a bright line right at the $55 price point for breakfast. So character meals that charge under $55 for breakfast hmm. are one dining plan credit for every meal. And if you charge more than $55 for breakfast, it's two credits. We're pretty sure that dollar amount is what's driving the distinction, not things like the number of characters available at the meal, whether Mm -hmm. it's in a park or not, whether it's a buffet, family style, fixed price, or anything else. Um, So it literally comes down to like Kate May, Garden Grill, Hollywood and Vine, Tusker House, Crystal Palace, Ohana, Mm -hmm. Topolino's, surprisingly, Mm -hmm. and Chef Mickey's are all one credit meals. 
and they're all under $55 for breakfast. So if at Chef Mickey's, for example, even though dinner is $66, it's still one credit, right? Whereas Acres Juice, Cinderella's Royal Table, and Be Our Guest are all two credits because their breakfasts, if they have them, are all $55 or more. So another way of looking at it, Jim, and this was uh, this came to me after uh, after looking at it, is if it's in a castle, it's two credits. <laughs> well, there we go. I, I, I was about to say how the world has changed. Remember how it used to be impossible to to get into either Crystal Palace or Chef Mickey? And, and yeah. now, you know, I, I, I think you nailed table. it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Also, uh, Disney's After Hours events also restarted uh, last week. We had people over at Hollywood Studios for the restart, and uh, and and Hollywood Studios always does a great job for after hours. But uh, for 2024, what was new was a whole bunch of characters over at Echo Lake. So mm-hmm. we saw Thumper, Pocahontas, Miko, which was interesting, mm-hmm. uh, Duffy, Goofy, Tiana, Donald, and Rafiki, uh, and more. So Jim Scholl, yes, word on the street is that the way that Disney is going to counter epic universe is with live entertainment and characters does this sort of play into that strategy well you know that's obviously my crystal ball is a little cloudy on that one len but the reality is often when disney was you know confronted with an opportunity to counter someone but they didn't have a new ride show or attraction you know up at bat they would Mm -hmm. call entertainment and entertainment would roll out with oh a new parade or repurposed little set or characters especially characters that maybe guests hadn't seen for years. So when you bring up Rafiki, you know, we yeah. all know Rafiki started over at the Animal Kingdom. Well, you know, Pandora kicked him out. So maybe he's moved up town. And that's pretty much a good example of the Disney playbook. So, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll wipe off my crystal ball. But, you you know, that's probably something we should be looking at. More characters in the next year. I can't help but notice, though. I mean, if you think about Jollywood Nights. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when they got themselves in trouble, they pivoted to Santa Duffy and here's Duffy back in the mix again. And, you know, Duffy, if you think about it is kind of Disney's equivalent of the uh, member of the Avengers. I mean, you know, <laughs> doesn't Duffy have like seven friends, you know? Uh, oh, could, oh yeah. You, you know, know, no, uh, you know, it's this off board story, but you know, again, mm-hmm. we all know that Duffy originally started there in Florida. Mm-hmm. And came to California and it didn't take off quite the way they thought mm-hmm. until it went to Asia. And it took off big mm-hmm. time in Tokyo and in Hong Kong and Shanghai. And they all have mm-hmm. their own Duffy events. And mm-hmm. you can't have Duffy alone anymore. So you've got, as you said, the entire Avengers, the furry mm-hmm. Avengers, I call them, mm-hmm. out there, you know, out in the wild. And uh, mm-hmm. they do big business. So it's not unusual, not unexpected to see them try one more time in mm-hmm. the United States, bring back Duffy. Yeah. I just wonder, I mean, the very thing you were mentioning, Len, about, you know, looking for a way to battle Be- Epic Universe, if, if it, yeah. this would be the time to bring all seven of those characters stateside and play up the fact that, Hey, you want to hang out with Duffy and his crew. But it's interesting, a sidebar that we don't have a Duffy ride, not <laughs> even a little dark, dark ride somewhere. But it's a it's a, a ride that uh, uh, has to be based on IP, but it has to be a film or TV uh, IP, ah, right? There we go. Can't be IP created in the parks yet. Ooh, okay. Yet though, interesting. You say that. Uh, uh, did yeah, you see? I, I, okay, go ahead. That's what I, I I teed it up. Go ahead. Okay. Did you see just this week the Disneyland Paris Parade in the Sky, the the Main Street Electrical Parade? 
uh, done with drones behind the castle there. Mm-hmm. I did. I did see it. Yeah. Be fair to Florida. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I mean, it's the same thing. I get it. just, it was so delightful, so well done. And the very thing you were just talking about, Lynn, it's a celebration of an IP from the park, not a movie, not yeah. a TV show, mm-hmm. but man, that was, that was a great show. As Mr. Tessa just said, we need that stateside. Here's my, my argument to the Disney legal team. Mm-hmm. If there's any state in the United States Mm-hmm. Where not only the state would be fine with drones taking out a few citizens, <laughs> but the other 49 <laughs> states would also be okay with it. It's got to be Florida, guys. It's got to be Florida. If Trust me. If anything happens with a drone taking out a Florida citizen and mm-hmm. it goes to district court that's in any other state, you will not be convicted of anything. I guarantee it. Yeah. And I say that as a Florida resident. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I see nothing wrong with your logic here. All right. You know, just... I mean, isn't isn't basically the welcome sign to mm-hmm. Florida? Uh, welcome to Florida, you know the risks. <laughs> like, isn't isn't that what it says on I ninety five as you come I, in? I, I I I seem to recall that as I I, okay. I think uh, I passed a sign that said, Welcome to Florida, you're on your own. <laughs> yes. yeah, you know what? You know what you're getting yourself into. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, speaking of some future things coming up, D23 tickets go on sale starting March 26th, and the event is August 9th through the 11th in Anaheim. Jim, and Jim, my optimistic take mm-hmm. is that this is where we'll start to hear about the next major set of domestic theme park projects. Mm-hmm. That's just hypothetical. Uh, my guess is Magic Kingdom and Studios are the focus, which I think skips an Animal Kingdom update cycle. I think isn't Animal Kingdom due next for uh, for rides, but I think it's going to get skipped over for Magic Kingdom and Studios. Uh, and the reason why I think that is that those are the two most popular parks right now, and mm-hmm. one of them badly needs reliable capacity. That, that's where I'm going with that. It's just a guess. I, I, I think that's solid reasoning. You know, Studio has a small footprint and not enough rides to support mm-hmm. itself, so it, it makes logical reasons mm-hmm. for that argument. And then, of course, Magic Kingdom. I mean, forever and a day, they've always wanted to expand the walking area in that park simply because it's too tight. So, again, logic would dictate, yeah, you're going to if you're going to build, build to your strengths and build to your needs. Yeah. The reason the reason why I think Magic Kingdom is in, of course, you know, Disney has been been hinting at uh, projects in Magic Kingdom. So they uh, they also mentioned uh, last week that the last performance of the classic version of Country Bear Jamboree is going to be January 26th, 2024. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have a minor request for our listeners. If you happen to be in town, have an iPhone 15 Max or Pro, and you can capture the show in spatial video, I'd appreciate it. So we'll later be able to all view the show in virtual reality using Apple Vision Pro. Oh, Look, okay. I have mm-hmm. I have simple requests, man. Anyway, well, yeah, the, there, uh, there we go. And, and so the interesting there is that mm-hmm. uh, Disney said at the end of the press release for that, Mm-hmm. to stay tuned for more announcements about Frontierland. You know, to me, that sounds like we're going to retheme Pecos Bills to Tiana's Palace, which seems like it would make sense. But is that even a possibility? I, don't, I mean, I don't think we're getting New Orleans Square in mm. in Magic Kingdom, even though that's the best idea for it. But Well, all right. Realistically, how long has Tiana's Palace been open in Anaheim now in their New New Orleans Orleans Square? Okay. So we have hard numbers on how that moved the needle from, you know, what? Previously, it was the French market. 
they have information now about, okay, you, you do that, you do a Tiana themed restaurant. This is the mm. response. You got to assume that that's going to color decisions, you know, especially now coming out of Orlando with increasing pressure coming on, on the Disney company, especially out ahead of this year's shareholders meeting and all of the, you know, the, the corporate hijinks that are going on. What I find interesting is, remember, we had them announce that Tortuga Tavern thing, sort of quick service up the street Briefing. from that. And yeah. I'm just fascinated that that didn't get talked up in this cycle. And you would imagine if they're going to be working on something that's going to have a backstage kitchen component, which mm. correct me if I'm wrong here, Mr. Schull, the, the Tortuga Tavern and Pecos Bill do share. Uh, it's a common, it's a common kitchen and it goes down into the Philidors underneath both. Yeah. Tor so, Tortuga shares a kitchen with Pecos Bills. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's that was obvious. I mean, and a lot of times when you look at a kitchen or a restaurant mm -hmm. in Disney World or mm -hmm. in the Disney parks, if you see two restaurants close to each other, mm -hmm. usually they'll share a common kitchen. I mean, we were just in studio, what, mm -hmm. a month ago, more? Uh, yeah. And then we were there at Sci-Fi Diner and the old ABC there you, commissary. There you go. Both two different yeah. standalone restaurants, but yep. they share one kitchen. So. Yeah, I, I knew that one. I just, for some reason, I thought that... Tortuga Tavern was closed off, but I mean, they're because they are adjacent to your point, they touch mm -hmm. and they they share um, walkways, right? To get mm -hmm. in. Uh, yeah. So hmm, interesting. Okay, cool. You're going to do the one and, and more to the point, if you're going to be basically shutting down the block with what with putting the new show into Country Bear, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, go, why not just roll the dice in a big way? So, yeah, hmm. and we'll see what happens. Okay. We will. All right. On to surveys. Um, we got a number of surveys over the holidays, but all of them seem to be the ones we've seen before. Mm -hmm. uh, I would like to give a shout out to Universal Orlando, however, whose dining survey asked me if I knew where in the parks to look for, quote, fried foods. <laughs> I'm, I'm good, guys. I'm good. Anyway, okay. I expect uh, all the park survey teams uh, held off on sending mm -hmm. new surveys during the holidays. Now that we're back for 2024, please be on the lookout for uh, anything new and interesting. And if you find them, Send them to me via email, lenatouringplans.com. We've got time for a couple of listener questions. Whereinthepark.com sent in to our Patreon page. Mm -hmm. uh, I just wanted to write in, probably along with a bunch of other people, that's true, uh, mm -hmm. to confirm that Shrunken Ned is still at Disneyland. Now, Excellent. This is the machine, Shrunken Ned, toward the back of, of one of the stores in Adventureland, right? Or Yeah. Oh, cool. Still there. Okay. Still there. Still there. Good to hear. Awesome. All right. Mm -hmm. And then from Bridget, mm -hmm. who says, uh, I saw that they released the Fort Wilderness cabin floor plans. Why on earth are the bunk beds in the main bedroom? Who wants their kids sleeping in their bedroom on vacation? Also, I had a question about paid lightning lane versus virtual queues. When we were at Walt Disney World in December, we used both paid lightning lane and virtual queues for Tron and Guardians of the Galaxy. In all cases, the virtual queue wait was more than twice as long. Why is that? I think I know the answer. But I was wondering if there might be a, another less greedy answer. All right. So first questions first, Bridget. You know, my wife, Laurel, had the exact same reaction to the Fort Wilderness cabin layout. Laurel also noted that there's plenty of space outside the cabin to pitch a child-friendly tent. Disney's comfort stations are clean and well-lit. And the nighttime <laughs> temperatures are pleasant almost year-round in oh. central Florida. 
<laughs> and I'm not going to talk at all about this past week's weather, the the lovely tornado warnings that that, that swept property. But sure, yes, yeah, so put the kids outside anyway. You, know you were saying the kids need fresh air, Jim. The kids need fresh air. <laughs> lots and lots of air coming at them at 120 miles an hour. Please go on. So yeah, so so the thing about virtual queue waits being twice as long as individual ending lane, I think that's um, a couple of things. One is virtual queues are free. And mm-hmm. individual link costs money. So I think that's uh, that's part of it. Also, for things like virtual queues, which are at super popular attractions like Tron and Guardians of the Galaxy, which are still relatively new, um, those are in super demand um, mm-hmm. as well. So I think you're seeing that. And the other the other attractions that are individual lightning lane, some of mine train, rest of resistance are also super popular, but they've been around for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get some people who and they have they have standby lines as well. So you've got uh, alternate ways to to see those. Awesome. Cool. All right, folks, mm-hmm. we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, Jim and Jim tell us how Space Mountain got its overlays. Mm-hmm. Keep your hands and feet inside the vehicle, and we'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. So we're now a couple of weeks into the new year, and if you don't mind me asking, how are you doing with those resolutions that you made for yourself back on January 1st? Was it become more productive or maybe finally get organized? So you actually made any headway or or do you find yourself already this far into the first part of 2024 still repeating the same sort of self-defeating behaviors? Me personally, I did that for way too many years. Constantly got in my own way, which then put me behind schedule on work assignments and made me miss out on fun times with friends and family. But you know what eventually helped me get past all of those self-destructive habits? Therapy. And if you think you might now finally be ready to give therapy a try, well, please allow me to direct your attention to BetterHelp. BetterHelp offers affordable, convenient online therapy when you need it from licensed professional therapists. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So come on, you deserve to be happy. Celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit BetterHelp.com slash DisneyDish today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash DisneyDish. We thank them for sponsoring today's episode. And we're back. All right, Mr. Hill, you want to take us through this feature piece? Well, yeah, I mean, and first of all, the reason we've we've settled on this topic, uh, Space Mountain and its overlays, is Season of the Force is Hmm. coming back to Disneyland Park this year. Uh, This celebration of all things Star Wars, uh, first held in Anaheim back in fall of 2015, uh, just prior to Episode 7, The Force Awakening, arriving in theaters uh, late December of that same year, and Folks who travel to Anaheim will get to sample new Star Wars-inspired food and beverage, as well as being among the first to experience the new ride film for that theme park, Star Tours attraction. They'll even get to ride that old favorite, Hyperspace Mountain, which, for those of you who haven't experienced this uh, version of Thrill Ride yet, it's a Star Wars-themed version of Space Mountain, where on orders from Admiral Akbar, who's heard there's a Star Destroyer headed for the planet of Jakarta, um you uh make the jump to hyperspace and you find yourself doing battle with a bunch of tie fighters and 
what's especially cool about this thrill ride is all of that action happens in perfect sync to the stirring music that John Williams wrote for the Star Wars films. Now, these days, onboard audio uh, on Disney thrill rides is almost taken as a given. Rock and roller coaster, uh, FYI, the original version at uh, Disney's Hollywood studio closed just last week for a multi-month long mm-hmm. refurb. Likewise, uh, California Screaming, now known as the Incredicoaster, are just two examples of Disney-produced coasters with synced-up music that is specifically orchestrated to amplify underscore that throw ride specific twists and turns. Whereas uh, Space Mountain, especially the Disneyland version, which, uh, again, didn't open until late May of 77, Mm-hmm. Additionally, didn't have onboard audio. Uh, in fact, it didn't have it for much of the first two decades of its its existence. In fact, if you rode this Tomorrowland attraction uh, through the fall of 1995, the only real sound you'd hear on this Anaheim version of, of, of Space Mountain, beyond a few sound effects on you'd hear as your coaster car climbed the load hill, there was the rattle of the other coaster cars as they zoomed around in the dark, not to mention the yep. screams of the other guests. Mm-hmm. But the, the only other noise was the boom you heard <laughs> upon re-entry uh, that, before your coaster car rolled back into the offload area. And a fun fact, that boom was manipulated audio. The engineers found a recording of a Saturn V rocket blasting off and discovered that when you played it backwards, you know, you, oh, you got the noise of a, a, a rocket re-entering Earth's atmosphere. Oh, there you go. So, all right. So anyway, how did Disneyland's version of Space Mountain wind up with onboard audio? Well, it involves a certain Imagineer, not the one we have on the show today. Uh, and oddly enough, the score of another movie that John Williams wrote uh, the music to, uh, one that was produced by Universal Pictures. So again, we, we now bring Mr. Shul in, our, our co-host from, from Disney Impact. And so, uh, and, and we're here uh, at, at the start of this segment to talk about someone you worked with at WDI for decades, Jim, uh, Tom Morris who was, what, a creative de- development executive Imagineering. Tom predated you at WDI by a few years. He was hired in 1980 after, I, I want to say he was a, a an employee of Lessees at, at Disneyland in the 70s, but came to Imagineering in 1980. And, and he, he was hired as Disneyland was staffing up for Epcot Center, whereas you, on the other hand, Jim, uh, you were hired in 88, uh, just as work is, was getting underway on Disney and Gym Studios. And the two of you worked together on a number of projects over the year, in, including Rock and Roller Coaster, mm-hmm. we just talked about, as well as the ACP, the Additional Capacity Program for Disneyland Paris. So, um, but but this story, well, it actually starts before Tom went to work for Disney. Uh, we have to travel back to when Mr. Morris was 16 years old <laughs> and had just gotten his first car and he liked to go out for drives on the Pacific Coast Highway. So, you know, and and what can you tell us about that, Tim? Well, you know, Tom loved to play his favorite music and play it loud when he was out on the drive, Jim. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, there's a certain amount of, I don't know, just it's just a perfect life when you're driving down the coast uh, of you know, Coast One with your top down on your car and your favorite music blasting, it mm-hmm. just felt like suddenly you were part of the road, you're part of the attraction, and he realized mm-hmm. very quickly mm-hmm. how much music would enhance mm-hmm. a ride experience. And he took that idea with him, and he 
was really ch the champion for the idea for many, many, many years. And basically, he would walk into meetings, pitch meetings, mm -hmm. and he'd pitch this idea. Would it be possible to recreate his experience on Coast One in a Disney park on something like a Disney thrill ride? There you go. Now, just to be clear here, there were previous Disney attractions that had onboard audio. So, But what Tom Morris is talking about is here is onboard audio synced up to the specific actions of a thrill ride where the music would then be orchestrated to enhance the, the twists and turns of the attraction. So, Yes, this is, again, true. Uh, and you have to understand for a moment, there's a difference between onboard and offboard. There are mm -hmm. a lot of dark rides at Disneyland Park that would have speakers offboard the ride. And they'd blast sound. But that's not the same as having music with you as you drive through a vehicle, in your vehicle, through a ride show or attraction. Mm -hmm. So anyway, Tom had his idea. So therefore, he befriends a ride operator uh, at Disneyland Park who somehow works at Space Mountain, no, naming no names, of course. And he persuades this person, mm -hmm. this guy, uh, to let him ride that Tomorrowland traction many, many, many times. Wearing the top technology of its time, a Sony Walkman. <laughs> and they're indestructible, man. They're indestructible. <laughs> they oh, totally yeah. are. As yeah. long as the batteries last, you're good. Yep. Anyway, yep. so Tom, you know, picks the music and he listens to, you know, songs he's picked. He, he mm -hmm. listens to pieces of music, uh, movie soundtracks, mm -hmm. and he was looking for music that would then enhance the guest experience while riding Space Mountain. Now, this yep. is backward engineering because the ride existed. He was mm -hmm, trying to come yeah. up with music that enhanced an existing ride. He wasn't writing music for the ride. He was working mm -hmm. backward. Well, okay. and what I love about this is he's doing this in 1985. And in fact, you know, Mr. Morgan, you know, uh, compiles a list of songs and Len, you'll love this. You know, it's things like the Go-Go's, We Got the Beat, Devo's, Whip It, you know, and Haircut, you know, Boy Meets Girl. But but again, the, the, the other thing, which I love about this story is among the cuts from various movie soundtracks that, that Tom experimented with, is uh, John Williams' score for E.T. the Extraterrestrial, which, again, really? yeah, yeah, Universe, Universe totally. Winter released to theaters, summer of 82. Yeah, so, you know, a year after Tom retired from Disney Imagineering, mm -hmm. uh, let's see, that was back in about 2016, mm -hmm. Tom actually released the playlist that mm -hmm. he created back in 1985 for his Space Mountain synchronized sound project. And you can find this mix of mm -hmm. upbeat 1980 jams and pieces mm -hmm. of music soundtracks by Googling Space Morris. So if I you am, hit I'm doing this now, <laughs> yeah, it hit Space Morris and you'll upload all of these to your phone. Mm -hmm. And then you can take them on board next time you're at Disneyland, California, and you decide to ride their Space Mountain. But anyway, oh my God, you know, this is, I found it. It's amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And again, remember, this is 1985. <laughs> Technology wasn't what it was today. You had to, mm -hmm. if you wanted to listen to the music and you skipped a, a piece in the in the tape, oh, mm -hmm. you had to wait to to ride again and put the back up your tape to where you started. Mm -hmm. Primitive is, does wow. not begin to describe mm -hmm. it, but the idea I, was proven. I, I'm amazed here uh, because I think Tom Morris and I have basically identical musical tastes. <laughs> <laughs> okay he'll be happy to hear wow. that mm -hmm. yeah, kind of, again this is kind of fantastic all right cool mm -hmm. 
There's a lot of Devo on this and some sparks, which is actually kind of interesting. All right. But again, okay. you know, it, the idea there was that, you know, once you had this proven and Tom mm-hmm. felt confident enough, well, he would take a lot of the folks over from WDI over to Disneyland and have them experience this Space Mountain version by listening to these music tracks. Now, I love the idea that, that you would have Marty Scalar, yeah, you know, in Space Mountain, clamped on with a pair of headphones from uh, his Sony Walkman, lifting to beat it as he was walk, like, you know, exactly, going yeah. around and and whip it. Yeah. You know, hey Marty, Marty, this song means a lot to me. Go ahead and ride. There we go. <laughs> did the how did the, how did Imagineering uh, upper management uh, take to this idea, Mister? Well, it was an you know, I would say it was an idea. There one went, yeah, we should do this. But again, it was an idea where the technology hadn't quite caught up to it, and there wasn't really the right coaster or right ride for to a, a premiere on. Um, mm. But it would come. It would come. Uh, well, and let, let's also not forget that this, if we're talking, the, you know, he starts his project in 85. That's a really busy time for Imagineering, right? It was, it was. I mean, look at it. 1985, what was mm-hmm. going on the list of projects? Mm-hmm. You know, it was sometimes you do a lot. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, 85 was that. I mean, I joined in 88 and mm-hmm. it was a whirlwind of activity when I joined the company. Basically, mm-hmm. it was they cleared out an old, you know, storage area in a, in a building and said, there's your office. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Have fun. Enjoy. Welcome. Try yeah. Ignore the rats. Okay, but then uh, eventually we get to the mid-90s, and this happens. What changed between 85 and the mid-90s? Well, let's with, see. Uh, with respect Look, to the, yeah. Looking at yeah. the calendar, Lynn, uh, well, Euro Disneyland opened in April of 1992. And mm-hmm. the park itself, as we all know, it was a success. Not, mm-hmm. you know, not without its doubters, but, you mm-hmm. know, it was the success of the park was undeniable. Mm-hmm. Maybe there was too many hotel rooms, but that's discussion for another time. Uh, and it quickly became mired in debt, which was mm. then renegotiated by the dearly lost Frank Wells. And mm. he renegotiated the deals with the banks and got some of the debt down to a manageable size uh, before we lost Frank in April of 1994. Anyway, moving on, uh, the company was looking to rebrand the resort and go from Euro Disneyland to Disneyland Paris as a branding exercise. Because mm-hmm. remember, back in the time, uh, Euro Disneyland, Euro anything was really a hot brand. And then by the yeah. time Euro Disneyland opened, the idea of Euro as a brand for all of Europe didn't have the same cachet that it did in the early 1990s. Whereas Disneyland Paris was instantly recognizable. Where are you going if you lived in Manchester, England? Oh, I'm going to Disneyland. It's in mm-hmm. Paris. I get it. I know, I know where I'm going and therefore yeah. it had brand equity. Mm-hmm. So that was something that happened. Mm-hmm. But there was also something else that happened, and that was they wanted to start to add new rides to that park. Okay. And I, well, again, and, and that sort of underlines the fact that the park, Disneyland Paris theme park, was hugely successful from day one and needed additional capacity, right? Well, this is true. And also, they need a big capacity because mm-hmm. I was part of the additional capacity program. And mm-hmm. in that, role like well i oversaw creatively a lot of different projects Mm -hmm. for specifically and none of them were the kind of attraction or ride that would cause someone living back there in birmingham england to say you know what we need to do is plan a vacation to disneyland paris to ride the new attraction 
So they need something big. They need something of weight and scope and impact. Mm-hmm. Something like Space Mountain from the Earth to the Moon. There we go. And that uh, opens uh, in the park in June of 1995. But correct me if I'm wrong here. So you're working on the additional capacity program, but but Tom Morris is actually uh, the creative executive in charge of the whole park at that point. So he's kind of writing herd on you during this time. And, and he hasn't given up on his onboard audio idea yet, has he? No, no, no. I mean, I, we should, um, you know, stencil on the inside of our eyelids, the idea mm-hmm. that no good idea WDI ever goes away. And so mm-hmm. Tom has been championing this idea of onboard audio now for a decade, mm-hmm. but now suddenly the need for Euro Disneyland, now Disneyland Paris to open a new thrill ride, Mm-hmm. Their version of Space Mountain, which started as Discovery Mountain, but now became mm-hmm. Space Mountain. That was the perfect opportunity to finally introduce onboard audio on a roller coaster. Was this the um, was this the first attraction that had synchronized onboard audio? The first coaster ride that had synchronized onboard audio. Okay, there's right. a difference, and and there are many, many, many Disney fans and WDI employees who you know, spend late nights in, in dark corners of different watering holes discussing and debating the difference between the two. Mm-hmm. Okay, because uh, Casey Jr. had synchronized audio, right? No, it didn't. It didn't because there was Casey oh, Jr. Really? in Anaheim that had sort of music, but it wasn't synchronized because if you open up the motor on Casey Jr. there in Anaheim, it's mm-hmm. actually powered by a truck. They took an old mm-hmm. truck motor and put it under the hood of the engine and the operator who has to sit behind the engine, he basically is driving a truck. So <laughs> your illusion. But now by the time uh-huh. we got to the second Casey Jr., which mm-hmm. I so happen to be mm-hmm. creative director for, that mm-hmm. was a roller coaster. It was a powered coaster produced by Vacoma, our good friends mm-hmm. who did a lot of different rides at, for the Disney parks. And mm-hmm. that did have synchronized onboard audio. And the synchronized audio was synchronized to the uh, dips and rolls and drops of that coaster. And that was what, you know, for lack of a better term, that was the proof of concept, you know, that, 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 you know, to be able to take this to WDI management or the folks at the resort and say, see, this actually does work and let's do it on, on board space mountain from the earth to the moon. Well, let's face it again. Uh, as I said a moment ago, Vacoma mm-hmm. was the ride company that made Casey Jr., mm-hmm. which meant when they had the contract, they had to be responsible for putting on all the speakers, all the mm-hmm. amps, all the wiring, everything that was involved with doing onboard audio on their powered roller coaster. Mm-hmm. So it was a proof of concept, not just to find out and prove that people liked it, but mm-hmm. also that it was feasible, you know, feasibly possible. And mm-hmm. do it within cost. So now we had Casey Jr. We mm-hmm. knew it worked. We knew people liked it. We knew it was affordable and it was sustainable. So when the time came to do the bigger, big mm-hmm. brother version of that concept, mm-hmm. which was Space Mountain from the Earth to the Moon, now mm-hmm. people only gave green lights. So that was the thing. So Casey Jr. in, in Disneyland Paris was the thing that got us on board ride audio. Huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Fair. Okay, so on the success of that thrill ride, again, Earth to the Moon, uh, just like that, roller coasters with onboard synchronized sound are, are start to appear everywhere at, at Disney parks. We get 
uh, Rock and Roller Coaster opens at Disney's Hollywood Studio in July of 99. California Screamin' opens at DCA some 19 months after that, February of 2001. You're overlooking the specific topic of today's show, though, Jim, mm-hmm. uh, which is Space Mountain at Disneyland Park. Mm-hmm. So let's get back to that. Based mm-hmm. on the success of From the Earth to the Moon at Disneyland Paris, mm-hmm. the decision was made to immediately transform the Anaheim version of that thrill ride into an attraction that would have onboard audio synchronized Mm -hmm. to the ride experience, the track experience. Mm -hmm. However, this one was going to be a little different because the coaster already existed. Yeah. So you've got to then add onboard audio to, are you, are you adding it to the existing ride vehicles or are you building new ones? Like, Oh no, no, no. It would be too easy to do that because the reality (laughs) is this when you, whenever you design the coaster vehicle, it's going to be carrying the weight of the guests. Mm-hmm. It's never sure. been designed to carry the weight of, oh, the amplifier, the, the all the wiring or the right. speakers. Right, it's got like 20, 30, 40 pounds, right? Yeah. Oh, you wish it was. Again, technology today, things got lighter, more compact. But back oh. in the day, it, it you know, it's like putting a small refrigerator on board. Mm-hmm. You know, me really? and mom and the kids are going to be riding and we're going to take our luggage with us. Oh, so that's uh, that changes the amount of stress that's on the steel and the tracks. and Oh, yes. It, yes that, that's, it did. That, that becomes an engineering exercise. And, yeah, and, amplifiers are not uh, without weight cost. I, yeah, and what okay. fascinates me about this is they get the California version of Space Mountain up and running by March of 96. This is literally just nine months after the Disneyland Paris from the Earth and Moon opens in, in June of 95. Mm, yeah, but, you know, funny you should, you know, when you talk about that, mm-hmm. you know, back in oh, late winter, early spring of 2003, mm-hmm. well, my son and I had a once in a lifetime experience, guys. Mm-hmm. You know, we were riding one evening. My wife was out at, you know, waiting for us because she doesn't like roller coasters. And I think she was clairvoyant that night because right. as we were riding Space Mountain, we suddenly felt a jerk, the kind of jerk you don't want to ever feel. And we looked behind in the peripheral vision. We saw this trail of sparks being drugged behind us. And they were just flaring out. In Space Mountain. In Space Mountain, in the dark, in Anaheim. And, you know, Uh, the vehicle ground to a very quick stop when we uh hit one of the trim brakes. uh, They're supposed to trim and slow the vehicle, not stop it as violently Uh and as quickly as we were stopped. Uh, and you know, the, the, the event occurred where thankfully our son, Brian, Mm -hmm. you know, he was shaken up. I didn't come away so easily because Mm -hmm. I fractured my arm. Really? You fractured your arm on space mountain. Yes. This is a true story. Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, and they Disneyland after a few minutes, the light went on, they came operators came up to me and they were very professional. They went through and, you know, checked on everyone's condition and, you know, they did a checkout. They took my son and myself to a hospital to, you know, ver- verify that everything is fine. Mm-hmm. And they put my arm in a cast. And, you know, how, was, how long until you started hearing from Disney's lawyers? Well, I think they were there at the hospital then. But, <laughs> what, but what's more interesting is the person I next heard from. And mm-hmm. we talked earlier about Marty Scalar riding Space Mountain. Well, this time Marty came back to me the first day that I was back at WDI in Glendale. And he asked me what was going on. I told him, and he said, can I see your cast? And I showed him. Ugh. And then he wrote this long, you know, diatribe <laughs> on my cast, filling it up with, like, you'll never do that again. We're... <laughs> uh, okay. And then, please, you don't, know, please don't Marty, wreck my ride. So yeah, he, but he did it in his, his famous red marker. You'll never mm-hmm. do that again. Love, Marty. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay, so... 
I, I again, wow. without putting you on the spot here, what do you think caused the Space Mountain coaster car that you and your son were, were riding in to do what it did on the track that night? Well, look, I'm not a ride engineer. I don't have an engineering degree. I do know something mm-hmm. about the subject of longevity. Anything mm-hmm. you have has stress. Any mm-hmm. steel bridge, any train, any car, anything you have, if you have what you call repeat cycles, which is a usage cycle, if you mm-hmm. use something yeah. over and over and over and over again, you're going to cause stress. Mm-hmm. And we know, you know, because Disneyland, uh, you know, would close their space mound periodically for maintenance as they do rock and roller coaster, which I was just closed as we were recording this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are other rides they periodically close for inspection mm-hmm. and for maintenance. And so, you know, we'll never know exactly what occurred, but mm-hmm. the reality is Disneyland's version, original version of Space Mountain was there a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. And in fact, at that point in time, it had been operating for over two and a half decades. Mm-hmm. And as far as wow. a roller coaster, that's pretty much an old man for any sort of a yeah. structural steel. That, that's a lot of metal fatigue. Yeah, it's a yep. lot of metal fatigue. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, but the reality is, mm-hmm. you know, soon after the incident that I experienced, the mm-hmm. Disney lawyers, you know, you know, and the Disneyland management mm-hmm. issued a a memorandum to the public mm-hmm. saying that they were going to be closing Space Mountain to reimagine it, and mm-hmm. uh, basically, you know, that's kind of saying well what happened to you know a group of guests that night wasn't going to happen again and it's worth noting here that when this announcement went out in april of uh, 2003 there i mean cast members were blindsided they had you know there were literally people who showed up at disneyland that day who were scheduled to work space mountain we're told traction closed and we have no idea when it's reopening in fact it it stayed closed for two for more than two years i I remember when this happened i just didn't know it was jim schull's fault yeah yeah (laughs) i just wanted to sign cast for marty that's the only way so it took a lot it took a lot of work but you know eventually all good things come to who who waits okay you know that people go to for that all right fair Anyway, you know, you're not wrong because the reality is it took mm-hmm. over two years to rebuild mm-hmm. Anaheim Space Mountain because mm-hmm. you've all, you know, looked at photographs and maybe thought about building a ship in a bottle. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but I know Jim Hill does. Right. Uh, but, you know, the reality is they mm-hmm. had a Space Mountain. They had a facility already there, but they had a problem. They had to mm-hmm. take everything that was inside the Space Mountain out and put a new roller coaster in. So to mm-hmm. that end, they cut this enormous hole in the back of that building. Mm-hmm. And over the next two years, they hauled out all the Space Mountain track and you know platforms and everything associated with that ride, mm-hmm. cutting it up in little itty-bitty pieces to mm-hmm. go to the landfill of your choice. Mm-hmm. And they had a new Space Mountain fabricated, built, and then brought in. So they didn't build a ship in a bottle, but they built a new coaster in the bottle. And to their credit, they actually got that thing open the day before the official start of Disneyland's 50th anniversary celebration, uh, G- uh, July 16, 2005. Mm-hmm. It, it's amazing to think about that because no mm-hmm. one in this right mind would ever want to do it this way to celebrate Disneyland's 50th. Mm-hmm. And I know that a lot of people think that, you know, aside from me wanting that sign cast from Marty, that, you know, we just did this because we wanted a new Space Mountain for the 50th. But the reality mm-hmm. is, Sometimes, you know, you just do the very best you can Mm -hmm. with the time we have and the reasons and the opportunities and the budget that we're given. 
But before we leave Space mm-hmm. Mountain entirely, I have another Space Mountain story. Mm-hmm. How much do you two know about Ghost Galaxy? Okay. So isn't that something Disneyland did in Anaheim back in the late 2000s, part of their Halloween time thing? Well, Jim Hill, you got to get out more because the Mm -hmm. first one was actually done in Hong Kong, at Hong Mm -hmm. Kong Disneyland. Mm -hmm. uh, And that was way back in 2007. Mm -hmm. That version of Disneyland opened in Hong Kong, basically with an identical version of the Anaheim Space Mountain. Uh, you know, but Space Mountain and Space Mountain was a success. I mean, mm-hmm. we talked a little bit about it on a uh, previous Disney Unpacked, mm-hmm. uh, and it was a success. However, what wasn't as successful as they wanted was Hong Kong Disneyland. They needed to refresh it, and they didn't have a new ride in their back pocket to bring out to refresh it. So mm-hmm. what they did was they turned to entertainment. They said, mm-hmm. "Ooh, you know, we celebrate in the West this holiday called Halloween." It's mm-hmm. scary. We have this ride coaster in the dark, which is a thrill mm-hmm. ride. We can make that scary. And mm-hmm. so out of that, the idea came, well, let's make Space Mountain Ghost Galaxy and make it a Halloween-themed experience. And so why did they come up with uh, with Ghost Galaxy? Or, or mm-hmm. uh, I guess ghosts are uh, common to every culture? Well, ghosts are common to every culture, and they have different meaning. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, in the Eastern culture, you ghosts are more... Well, they're more present in people's everyday lives. And they're not necessarily evil. They're just kind of there. They're like, mm-hmm. okay, you know, grandma is still with us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, give her something to eat and make sure she's comfortable and go on with life. So it's not, mm-hmm. it's something that would lend itself to a quick over theme to mm-hmm. an existing attraction. Remember, when they said, let's go do this, Ghost mm-hmm. Galaxy, there wasn't a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... They had to move quick. You don't have a lot of time. You don't have a lot of money. So, so what do you do? You you, you do a all hands on deck for Imagineering. You, you know, there's all of that, and there's also not a time to develop a story because, as mm-hmm. I said earlier, you've got you know ghosts, and so the mm-hmm. the story conceit is as simple as, oh, there's a ghost. You're mm-hmm. in a ride vehicle. They're gonna follow you around as you ride mm-hmm. through Space Mountain in the dark. That's end of story. Ghosts in space. Go. Ghosts in space. Okay. Look, this doesn't need to be explained. This isn't complicated. Ghosts in space. Okay. And also, you know, to that point, Ghost Galaxy is a name was really Mm. self-explanatory, where Space Mountain was not. If you're in Hong Kong, you really don't know what a Space Mountain is because there's no equivalent. Mm -hmm. If you walk up to the front door of a roller coaster and read name on door, Ghost Mm -hmm. Galaxy, that Mm kind of tells you what you're about to experience. So, the name was a really good one. But anyway, right. long story short, mm-hmm. there wasn't a lot of time to pursue this plan. In fact, the whole plan was started mm-hmm. in, uh, let's see, uh, summer of 2007. And mm-hmm. it needs to be up and running by September the 24th of mm-hmm. that same year. Mm-hmm. So holy cow. The image, yeah, I know. Holy cow is right. So what do you do? Well, the first thing you do is it is an all hands on deck. And you go to your Hong Kong equivalent of Best Buy and you know, Home Depot, and you clear out the aisles of all the, you know, plugins and the zip line and zip ties that you can find, and you haul them over to Space Mountain. And basically, you start to hang projectors, uh, audio cabinets, uh, speakers, and goodness helps you, you don't want to ride that attraction with lights on because 
there's such a thing as keep your hands and arms inside the vehicle at all times. It never had the meaning it did when they installed Ghost Galaxy. So you, so you guys go out and buy this audio equipment. You hang it using zip ties? Zip ties on a good day, but, you know, mm-hmm. zip ties, rope, you know, <laughs> duct tape. They're, they're, zip they zip ties where the budget allows. Okay. Wow. All right. Okay. They were quick. They were mm-hmm. quick, Lynn. What do you I want? don't know they what's were. more disturbing to me, that the fact that you broke your arm on the ride or the fact that it's held together with zip ties. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. But it was quick and it was, you know, and it was successful. And that's mm-hmm. the biggest thing I take away is when they did it, it opened. Mm-hmm. And from day one, it was memorable. Whereas people oh, yeah. didn't particularly like Space Mountain in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Everyone really, really liked Hong Kong Space Mountain Ghost Galaxy. Wow. Okay. Well, again, folks, this is why we do, uh, Len and I, the, the show that we do with Jim Schultz, Disney Unpacked Video Series. These are these are the sorts of stories you only get from an Imagineer who worked for the company for, for three plus decades. And I just want to remind you, by the way, that this month we've been talking about Mickey's birthday land at the Magic Kingdom. And next month uh, on Disney Impact, we're going to talk about the land at Disneyland in mm-hmm. Anaheim that, that grew out of that project, and uh, which is Mickey's Toontown. Yeah, I, I actually have photographs I'm going to share with of my son in, in Mickey's mm-hmm. car in the driveway mm-hmm. of Mickey's house. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm also pleased to report that the car stayed on track at all times and no one's arm was broken or even fractured when we were capturing this photograph. Um, okay. Well, well, one story in a, in a row, I guess I'm, uh, I'm reassured by that. I think, uh, thanks <laughs> for, uh, thanks for coming to the show today, Mr. Schull. Mm-hmm. Thank you. It's always been a pleasure and mm-hmm. look forward to next time. All right, folks, that's going to do it for the show today. You can help support our show by subscribing over at patreon.com slash Media where we're posting exclusive shows every week, like Mr. Scholl said. Check it out at patreon.com slash jimhillmedia. On next week's show, Jim tells us how the Imagineers handles Walt's decision in January of 1955 to add Tomorrowland to Disneyland's opening day lineup, giving them just six months to get it done. I've seen archival footage of the last week of prep work for Tomorrowland, and it's mesmerizing in the same way that violating any modern workplace safety regulation is mesmerizing. It's <laughs> a theme to today's show. Can't yeah. wait to hear this story. All right. Okay. You can find more of Jim at jimhillmedia.com, more of me, lenitztrunkplans.com. Jim Schull, where can people find more of you? Well, you can always find me on Twitter. I refuse to call it X at uh, mm-hmm. Jim Schull. Fantastic. We're produced spectacularly by Eric Hersey. He'll be selling his new inbox, Pal Mickey's, Furby's, and Tickle Me Elmo's at the Totally Rad Vintage Fest, Minnesota's premier pop cultural event on Saturday, February 3rd, 2024 at the Minneapolis Convention Center in beautiful downtown Minneapolis, Minnesota. While Eric's doing that, please go into iTunes and Raider Show and tell us what you'd like to hear next. For Jim and Jim, this is Len. We will see you on the next show.